If you're a general contractor, a subcontractor, or an owner, you want your jobs to be on time and on budget. And that means working with Autodesk Construction Cloud, software that lets your team design, plan, build, and operate from office to field. It means getting end-to-end solutions, seeing project data in real time, and preventing problems before they happen. Trusted on over 2 million construction jobs around the world. Build with Autodesk Construction Cloud. Try it free today at construction.autodesk.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, our co-host Carol Zernio on special assignment. So it is just me and our very special guest on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline to the great state of Florida. Uh, we welcome Dr. Jeff Steinberg. He's board certified in neurology and sleep medicine with fellowship training in pain management and diagnostic testing. He is a graduate of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and his medical degree from St. George's University School of Medicine in Granada. And it is a pleasure to welcome you to Caregiver SOS On Air. Thanks for joining us, doctor. Uh, thank you. It's an honor to help the caregivers and be supportive for them. As you know, because of your practice and your specialty, there are so many people who struggle with the inability to get a good night's sleep. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, I'll tell you, it is one of the most epidemic problems in the country that's not talked about by doctors or by the patients. And they don't talk about it because? No one knows about it. No one, it occurs at night, so no one talks about it. And typically they'll say they complain of depression or, you know, I, I, I don't feel good. I don't feel tired. So they don't say I don't sleep well. And unless the doctor asks the question and the further questioning, no one knows. And what would be the questions you'd ask if I was in your exam room and I said, you know, Dr. Steinberg, I'm just not sleeping well. Well, th- that'd be the easy one. Usually they come in, they'll typically tell their primary or the doctor, no offense to them, they'll say they feel depressed or they feel down. I'm not motivated. And the big difference is knowing when you're fatigued or if you're depressed. So when you say I can't sleep well, you break it down. Do you have problems falling asleep, staying asleep? Do you have difficulty falling back asleep? Do you wake up too early in the morning? And do you feel you know, rested in the daytime? So those who uh, are able to go to sleep and then may wake up and trottle off to the bathroom to go pee-pee and then can't go back to sleep. Is that a pretty common situation? Oh, extremely so. You know, and that's why you have to break it down. And that's where it takes time. Sleep question, you know, sleep history is time intensive. So, you know, most doctors don't have that time to talk about it. So I usually tell them, how did you fall asleep to begin with? That's how you have to fall back asleep with. And and is there a trick uh, to making yourself fall asleep? Actually, yeah, it's really simple when you think about it. The room has to be dark, quiet, and cool with no distractions. You know, nowadays people have their phones, their computer, watch TV in bed. So psychologically, subconsciously, you're thinking, your bedroom is your living room. 
and therefore you're not conditioning yourself to fall asleep. And one of the terms I think you all throw around is sleep hygiene. Right. That's exactly what I just mentioned, right? And, and so then, don't have that blue light coming off of your iPhone, your iPad, your computer, your television, be in a, a quasi-sterile environment. Right. It's interesting. As you get older, naturally, your body temperature uh, does not drop. So when you're ready to go to sleep, your internal body clock has a temperature drop by about nine o'clock in the evening. And that prepares you for sleep. But as you get older, you don't have that differentiation. So it's important that the elderly have, you know, lower their temperature. That makes a big difference. I've seen the ads for uh, some of those uh, high-tech mattresses uh, that can uh, give you a very cool environment uh, without trying to sell mattresses. I hear you suggesting that may not be a bad thing. No. Now, you know, as we get older, one of the problems for sleep is could be just chronic pain, for example. So, you know, you may want a softer mattress, a memory phone, as opposed to a more firm one. So there's a lot of variables as you get older as to why you can't fall or stay asleep. What is it that happens at that magic moment between when I'm awake and I'm asleep? The transition. You know, when I ran a memory clinic, at the same time, my children were like two and five. And my then wife said, oh, that's hell time. But it was like... The health time for little kids is what, you know, we say in the memory clinics, sundowning for those with Alzheimer's. It's the same thing. You got to transition. You got to prepare them. So I always tell the caregivers, for example, make sure there's some bright light in the late afternoon, even if they're not going outside. Do something and simulate that light because the light in the late afternoon is important and it can actually set your body clock to fall asleep a little bit later. That sounds like those who have uh, a... a uh, light affective disorder who don't do well in winter. Exactly. Yeah, our body is very sensitive to light and something that a, neuro, a neurotransmitter, a chemical in our brain called melatonin. And so as you get older, you, you lose that. And even in people with Alzheimer's, that's actually one of the earlier stages that are being affected. So that may be a telltale sign if someone's sleep is disrupted where it normally was healthy or someone's acting out and hitting them, you know, being physically active. Right. That could happen 10 years before someone has Parkinson's disease. Wow. I want to so. talk more about that in a moment, but for those who may have just joined us, I want to let you know you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host on special assignment today. So it is just me with Dr. Jeff Steinberg, board certified in neurology and sleep medicine. And we're talking about uh, dealing with sleep and sleep disorders and, and, and doctor, walk us through some of the more common uh, issues that uh, folks are having when it comes to sleep. You mentioned uh, people who may be uh, pre-dementia, who may be showing uh, signs that it may be coming. What are some of the other issues we face? You know, one of the most common uh, medical problems related to sleep is sleep apnea. And again, it's a really simple diagnosis, but it's one that's not really talked about. It's getting more prevalent. Do you know that sleep apnea is an independent risk factor for stroke as much as high cholesterol, diabetes, and high blood pressure? And if you don't correct it, you can't. And then when you, you're, most people are obese who have sleep apnea, but there are certain neurotransmitters that work against you to lose weight if you have sleep apnea. So it's simple. If you snore at night, stop, looks like you stop breathing, tired in the daytime, that, those are just classic symptoms. But you don't know 
necessarily that you snore and you may not know you stop breathing. Right. So I see people who complain, as I said earlier, they may just say they got depressed. Or if I see someone who has high blood pressure, for example, people who are diabetic, who have diabetic neuropathies, if they're, they have a higher, much higher increased risk to have sleep apnea because insulin is sleep dependent. So you can't produce it if you're not getting the sleep. Exactly. It's not exactly you're not producing enough of it. And it's also dysregulated. And for those who are dealing with sleep apnea, uh, you see enough ads on TV to know about uh, the CPAP machine uh, as right. a way to assist them in breathing. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable, but it's literally life changing. Your blood pressure could drop by about 20 points. Your glucose could drop anywhere. I'm sorry, six points. Your sugar could drop anywhere from 20 to 80 points by correcting your sleep apnea. So for diabetics, it is essential to make sure you don't have sleep apnea. And how do you know if you're getting enough oxygen? Uh, there's a certain test you can do. Nowadays, there's home sleep studies that can record that. You, now you can probably even buy Fitbits and they can record it. And what level of oxygen should you be at? It's usually we want it above 90%. It, shouldn't, it should not be more than a 3 or 4% drop from the baseline when you're awake. Uh, and is that something your Apple Watch can tell you about? Some of them do. Some of them do. But like I said, the home sleep study is so simple. It's as simple as the headphones that we're wearing. You know, it's one night and it, it's fairly sensitive. And what do you find out from that study? If you have sleep apnea or not. Uh, and then if you do have it, then you can discuss with your doctor about the different treatments. Uh, as you take a look at the incidence of sleep apnea, uh, we must be getting better at diagnosing it. Absolutely. It's become, like I said, it's, it's now we now know it's one of the independent risk factors for heart attack and stroke. So with doctors who are cardiologists, you know, are now prescribing it. Internal medicine doctors know about it. So it's important. And as you take a look at patients who come to you with issues like insomnia, doctor, I just can't go to sleep. What can you do right. for them? You know, that's time intensive, but I do. I have to find out why, again, why are they doing falling asleep? You know, what happened differently in their life? You know, what medications are they taking? Do they have other medical problems? You know, you know, chronic pain. Do they have, you know, um, are they on certain medicines that can exacerbate or actually cause it? Stress can cause insomnia. And can it be treated? Yeah. And you break it down to transient, meaning temporary, you know, is it chronic insomnia? But it's time intensive because I have to ask, what time do they go to sleep? Sleep hygiene. What medicines do they take to go to sleep? There's some medicines that doctors may give for other reasons that are actually counterproductive for their sleep. What would be an example? Um, well, I'll, I'll give you a good example. The, for people who have Alzheimer's, they're given, you know, um, Aricept or Denezepel. That's actually a sleep, that's actually awake promoting medication. And one of the side effects, if you take it at night, it causes nightmares. I have all my patients take that in the morning. But doctors, I think it's FDA approved to take it at night. You wouldn't recommend it? No, in the morning, not at night if they do need it. And as you take a look at uh, uh, the patient population, especially in Florida with, with so many seniors, uh, obviously you have no end of patients who are coming to see you. Right. You know, one of the things is just these over-the-counter, these Tylenol PMs, they're terrible. Antihistamines will actually help you fall asleep, but do not help you stay asleep. 
They actually will wake you up. Same with Xanax. It's a terrible well, medicine. Benadryl would not be the drug of choice. Oh, it's a worse drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting I take it, mind you. No, no, no. I'm just, but people don't know. They see it advertised and saying, oh, Tylenol PM. I'll take that. You know, I fall asleep. But I can't stay asleep because you're taking Tylenol PM. Uh, and for those who fall asleep and wake up, uh, is there a trick to going back to sleep? Uh, yeah, you have to go back to sleep the way you fell asleep. So you have to reproduce it. If that's assuming you know you fell asleep properly to begin with. Now, are there uh, uh, postures in bed that are more sleep-inducing on your back, on your side, on your stomach? No, it's whatever, whatever, whatever works. You know, that's the goal. The goal is to be productive and alert the following day. It used to be that was the definition of insomnia, of a healthy night's sleep, the amount of sleep you need and require to function properly the next day. Now we switched it to like six to eight hours. What do you recommend? I'm, I'm old school. So whatever, whatever gets you through the night to get you through the next day. All right. Stay with us a minute. We're going to come right back to you. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Jeff Steinberg, board certified in neurology and sleep medicine. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We are so pleased you were with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air, talking with Dr. Jeff Steinberg. He's board certified in neurology and sleep medicine. And we were talking about the kind of issues that affect folks in going to sleep, staying asleep, and finding that restful night that makes them productive the next day. And one of the things, Jeff, I noticed in your bio, uh, you treat adult attention deficit disorder. Yes. Is that pretty common? Um, it is actually, you know, surprisingly, you know, you got to find out those are just like, oh, I'm not, you know, sharp as I like to be. And can I have a stimulant to get me going? But there's a lot of people have ADD. And I'll tell you a little very important fact. And one of my um, colleagues said, oh, my daughter has ADD. I'm going to a doctor. I said, make sure that she's sleeping well, because even the NIH says if a kid has sleep apnea or RLS, it can produce or mimic um, ADD. And it very, it, anyone who has chronic insomnia can mimic um, ADD. RLS is restless leg syndrome? Yes. I yeah, only sorry know that from that. the TV ads. <laughs> yeah, so restless leg just means a, a discomforting feeling in your feet. And some people have it just in their arms. Most people have it in the daytime. And you'll see them in the movie theater and they're moving their legs, shaking it about. And that's basically RLS. So oh. it's not harmful in that it has any long-term consequences, but it does affect people's quality of life. And if I don't treat that, then they're not sleeping well at night. So I have to ask that question too. Now, do you treat ADD and ADHD? Yes, I do. And, you know, there's people who have it like from, you know, head injuries, 
you can have it from, you know, environmental, you can have it from, um, you know, childhood, but, you know, people are, you know, have difficulty being successful because they just can't finish their tasks. And I noticed in your background that you also subscribe to acupuncture. Do you use yeah. it in your practice? Yes, actually, my acupuncturist is here now. And, it, you know, what? I, I'm very open-minded. And I think that, you know, people think about it. Chinese medicine, you know, you know, Eastern philosophy has been around for thousands of years. Western medicine has only been around for a couple of centuries. And there's a lot of synergy where, for example, I see people with chronic pain and we say people with carpal tunnel and a surgeon go, oh, I'm going to do surgery on it. And then they say it doesn't work because everyone nowadays is holding on to their mouse. And if you look, if you feel right near your elbow, it's really tight. And if you relax those muscles, it will get rid of the carpal tunnel potentially. So it can mimic it. So unless you know, and those are acupuncture points. So now you can do a physical therapy or acupuncture to help that. And for those who are wondering, a carpal tunnel affects the wrist. Right. And you get numbness and pain in your fingers. You know, so people who use their hands a lot, you know, typing nowadays, they can get it. But it's, you know, but it can be misdiagnosed. And I learned that from an acupuncturist that the true, their acupuncture points are in their proximal forearm. And that if you treat it there, it can get rid of carpal tunnel. And in acupuncture, uh, for those who don't know, they're inserting uh, very tiny needles in uh, certain parts of the body to bring about uh, what they hope are positive results. Right. And so I, I find there's good synergy in that. And as you know, a lot of people nowadays are reluctant or concerned about taking medications. You know, so there's vitamins that you can take. There's acupuncture. You know, I, I emphasize a lot I, to people to do stretching exercises if they're in pain. People have to take control of their pain, both by, of, of their medical conditions, both by knowledge and being a participant in their care. And in your practice, uh, people who come to you, are they looking for just give me a drug or are they receptive to alternative care? Um, both. So I have to read the patient. But a lot of them now are about, you know, you know, um, you know, alternative care. But a lot of times the doctor will just say, oh, you have a sleep problem. Take take an Ambien or take a pill without finding the root cause of it. Well, Ambien has, Ambien has uh, uh, really scary side effects in some people. They do. And people are concerned about long term issues. I try herbal medicines first. For example, sleepy time uh, tea has chamomile and valerian root. Valerian root is a plant then from Xanax, Ativan, and Valium are made from. Melatonin, I give a lot of patients. And in fact, people with Alzheimer's, as I said earlier, they, they lose melatonin. So I give them low-dose melatonin, and it helps them significantly. It allows them to sleep, which makes them less agitated the following day. How much melatonin do you generally prescribe? If they're elderly, and if, especially if they have Alzheimer's or other dementias, one or two milligrams, I go slow. For an adult, I'll tell them about five milligrams to start, and you can go as high as 20 milligrams. In my practice, it, I go as high as 20. Is melatonin addictive so that if you stop taking it, you'll never sleep again? No, actually, I have some patients who are on it for a long time. There's no studies about long-term issues, but I've been given to them, and I have not had any problems, and it allows them to sleep, and it has no long-term side effects. I'm, I'm comfortable to prescribe that. Now, one of the issues I know you mentioned on a couple of occasions is Alzheimer's and dealing uh, with Alzheimer's patients. And uh, you must also work with the caregivers involved as well. What are some tips you can give to people on 
how to manage that Alzheimer's patient. Yeah. As I told you, from what I know professionally in my own experience, treat them like you did your little kids, get them prepared, make the, you know, actually a warm bath in the late afternoon. And then that way, when it's time to go to sleep, it cools them down. So it's a relative decrease in the temperature. Make sure they get sunlight or walk in the late afternoons and do not, do not, do not let them take any sort of benzodiazepams at night. No, no Valium, Xanax, Clonopin. It is not good for people with Alzheimer's because it, it just, it's, it, it, it stays in their system longer. The benzodiazepines actually does improve to help for sleep and it has more long-term side effects and next day side effects. I've got more another, people off of that than put them on it. Another issue you deal with, which can certainly affect sleep as well, is helping people with migraines. Yes. Absolutely. Huge problem for some people. Yes. And some people, I just had a patient today who woke up in the middle of the night throwing up with a severe migraine attack. So like I said, what, what causes a migraine? So it can be as something as simple, lack of sleep, or they taking too much soda or they're drinking alcohol, you know, I, you know, it, so all these factors can lead to sleep. They may have restless leg and that when they have restless leg gets worse, it disrupts your sleep. And then there's certain stages of their sleep that can then provoke a migraine. And there are new medications as well for treating migraines. Are they effective? Oh, yes. There's both long acting um, for, uh, for prevention as well as to get rid of it or abortive migraines. And the reason that they work is that it actually, we now know that this neurotransmitter is elevated during a migraine. And as a migraine dissipates, it goes down. So these medicine actually prevents from that neurotransmitter from going up and therefore preventing the migraine. And there's less side effects than the older medicines that we are using. How common are migraines? Excuse me? What kind of migraines are How there? How common are they? Oh, you know, it's the sixth most disabling lifetime disease in the, in the world. Wow. I mean, think about it. If someone has more than four migraines in a month and each and one and these severe ones can last two days, that's eight days, 10 days out of their life. That's a third of the month, a third of their life. Right. And they can not working. I mean, People, not so much the pain, but the vomiting or the bright lights, the, the noises, they can't function. It's, it's very disabling. And if you struggle with migraines, should you see someone like you, a neurologist? Oh, absolutely. One thing I try to do with these people who are afflicted with it, I get them off caffeine. If you did a shot of coffee, like a Cuban coffee without sugar, it can get rid of acute migraine. But if you take it every day, it's like adding oil to a fire. You've got to detox off coffee, soda, artificial sweeteners. Do you know they ban artificial sweeteners like sweet and low in England because they don't want to kill their rats, but we give it to us, to our people in the States. <laughs> nice <What>? thought. <laughs> what is it about the artificial sweetener? It's the, the chemical. It's just toxic. It causes cancer in rats. You know, so it, it really, you, I can't tell you how many people migraines have lessened, if not gotten rid of by just getting them off the sodas and the artificial sweeteners. I saw a cartoon once of a couple of rats sitting in a cage. One rat says to the other, you know, I liked it better when we smoked. <laughs> it's true, though. But migraines is another, you know, it's a time intensive history. What causes it? Are they migraines? Are they tension headaches? Do they have sleep problems? Do they have sleep apnea? Because people with sleep apnea can get morning headaches, you know, from the lack of oxygen. So there's all these different factors. Are they stressed? Are they stressed and they're taking a pill for that? You know, it, there's so many variables. It's time, it's time consuming, but 
it's rewarding for the patients, rewarding for me. You deal with headaches in addition to migraines, run-of-the-mill headaches, although right. no headache is really run-of-the-mill. Uh, is it simply advised to just take a couple of acetaminophen and you'll be fine? No, remember I told you about coffee? Same goes right. for acetaminophen, Tylenol-based products. If you take too many of them, it can actually cause a rebound, what we call rebound headaches. And again, it's hitting oil to the fire of a migraine. Wow. Yeah. So, you so what do you treat careful. it with? Well, that's why it's a non-migraine headache. A non-migraine headache. I'll tell I'd rather they take the anti-inflammatories. So there's no contraindications. You know, exercise, stretch out their neck. You know, usually that they come from the neck. Or like I said, just, you know, just too much coffee or if it's stress. Now, I'll give you another important example. People with high blood pressure, when they get a head pain, their blood pressure can go up. So I tell them if their pain score is four or greater, zero is no pain, 10 is the greatest. If it's greater than a four, their blood pressure will go up. Get rid of the migraine or the head pain. And once it's below four, recheck their blood pressure. So every patient should have their blood, own blood pressure cuff. Right. And, and what is normal blood pressure for folks? 120 over 80. And I, I had one story where a lady said, how come no one ever told me that? I even told her her anxiety can bring up her blood pressure. So create a log, your blood pressure, your, your pain, and your anxiety. And just do a log and see how it correlates. And then you have more control and knowledge about your own body and how to treat it. I got to stop you right here. We are flat out of okay. time. I thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. Dr. Jeff Steinberg for Carol Zernial. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on My Caregiver SOS On Air. My pleasure. Thank you. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. If you're a general contractor, a subcontractor, or an owner, you want your jobs to be on time and on budget. And that means working with Autodesk Construction Cloud, software that lets your team design, plan, build, and operate from office to field. It means getting end-to-end solutions, seeing project data in real time, and preventing problems before they happen. Trusted on over 2 million construction jobs around the world. Build with Autodesk Construction Cloud. Try it free today at construction.autodesk.com.